We are ready for our KDHL AM Minnesota program today being brought to us by Home Garage Doors or something like that. Jerry told me, I thought he was going to intro me. Hometown Garage Door of Faribault is bringing you our AM Minnesota program. Keller Insurance Agency, I think, is joining us as well or they're doing the market update as well. Craig Keller, he protects all things that are near and dear to you. And speaking of protection, we got Rice County's uh, top prosecutor, Rice County attorney uh, Brian Mortensen with us this morning out here at the fairgrounds. And Brian, uh, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it, Gordy. Yeah, I appreciate your coming out. You said last year you were here every day, but this year you haven't been able to. Nope, this year I'm working during the day. Which do you prefer? You know what? I I love the job that I do, so I'm happy to be in the courtroom when I can be. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. We uh, I invited you out because I had the sheriff on yesterday, and we talked about the new cannabis law, which it doesn't sound like was well thought out by our state legislators. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be legal on August 1st, and we don't have a test to determine whether they're impaired with cannabis when they're driving or not, people. I would say that the change in law has uh, given law enforcement a number of difficulties for enforcing it and a number of difficulties for prosecutors being able to bring the charges into the courtroom. Right. I mean, am I speaking out of turn when I say it's not well thought out? I would say that the legislature probably could have put things in a different order. Well, I, you could have passed the law, but implemented it maybe in 2025 when you're going to make it possible for people to sell it. I guess the Red Lake Reservation is going to be able to sell it when it becomes law August 1st, but not everybody can drive up to the Red Lake. Right, so it begs the question, when somebody has marijuana, how did they get it? There's just all kinds of problems you could have with this. It's, it's very confusing, um, and we're putting together a training for our local law enforcement to, to help them understand the nuances of the new law. We're working with our prosecutors in the office to make sure we understand the nuances of the new law, what we can and cannot enforce. And there's also implications even for our current cases that we have pending that are probably going to result in dismissals because of... Um, case decisions that say that if the law has changed and it benefits the defendant, then any pending cases, we have to give that benefit to the defendant now. And didn't they pass legislation that lets people leave prison or incarceration if they had a marijuana violation? So there are certain things in the law that allow the state agencies and prosecutors to review prior convictions. Um, there's new uh, expungement laws dealing with marijuana convictions. Uh, I think right now it's let's wait and see how all of that starts to play out. And then uh, I think that didn't they pass legislation as well that allows a convicted felon to vote? As long as they're not incarcerated. Yes. In the past, you had to fulfill your entire sentence, including probation or whatever, before you could vote, right? Correct. At the time of sentencing, your 
if you were placed on probation or sent to incarceration, uh, your voting rights were suspended. It would have been a probation violation and a violation of the law to vote while on felony level probation uh, after a conviction. And that stayed with you until you were discharged from DOC supervision or discharged from probation. I have to say, Brian, the main reason I asked you to come out today to the fairgrounds, yesterday I visited with Sheriff Thomas about, you know, what's happening currently in the world, and, and boy, it's kind of nutty what's going on. Look <laughs> at what happened in Fargo this past weekend where officers and firefighters were arriving on the scene of a, a crash, and they get shot at, and one of the police officers was killed just randomly. Yes. It was a horrible tragedy to hear about. And we're anxiously sitting beside our law enforcement partners waiting for the details of what exactly came out of that. Yeah, they said uh, the other day he had rounds of ammunition in his vehicle, just loaded with ammunition. They went to his home and found more weapons. So he was planning a much bigger thing than what happened. It appeared that way, yes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get more details today. The FBI, I guess, is doing a news conference today, and uh, Pete will be in the station helicopter heading up there to get some <laughs> details about that. We're going to take that opening market report, courtesy of the Craig Keller Insurance Agency. He helps protect all things near and dear to you. And again, home garages home garage door and more will be bringing you uh, the rest of our am minnesota program yeah the more the more part when <laughs> am minnesota continues let's get those markets friday morning corn is lower soybeans cattle and hogs are mixed i'm john perkins with a brownfield market update the path, for higher, the path to higher yields is now at your fingertips. Download the Stein Seed app today and access valuable in-depth agronomic information, their seed lineups, and more. Soybeans are mixed this morning, watching the weather with some forecast showing hot, dry weather late this month into early next month. The emphasis there should be on some. August is a critical month for beans, and significant stress would impact yield. August beans are up four at fourteen ninety nine. September's down a half at fourteen twenty five and three quarters. August bean meals up 40 cents at 440.90. August bean oils 115 higher at 68.79. Corn's down, monitoring development conditions with some forecasts indicating more stress while others look relatively mild. Estimates for Brazil's second crop are rising with their harvest ongoing. September's down five and a half at 531 and three quarters. December corn six lower at 540 and a quarter. And wheat's lower as more stress in the spring wheat crop in the U.S. in the uh, U.S. plains and Canada is possible. The ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine is creating uncertainties for exports. September Chicago is down 19 at 708. Taking profits, most active December cottons down 36 points at 83.95. Adjusting spreads, September rice is up one and a half at 15.90. Live cattle are down and feeders are up, watching corn and the direct markets while getting ready for this afternoon's inventory and on feed numbers. August lives down 37 at 179.95. October 72 lower at 182.02. August feeders are up 37 at 245.47. September's 42 higher, 248.72. And hogs are mixed on spread trade and sustained demand questions. August is 40 higher at 101.02. October 72 lower at 84. Crude oil's higher. September's the new front month there. John Perkins. 
Brownfield Market Update. Craig Keller and the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand and Grinnell Mutual are always keeping an eye on the future because everything they do serves a single purpose, keeping the promise to take care of our customers today and tomorrow. As they grow and innovate, finding new ways to do business and serve our policyholders, that will never change. With Grinnell Mutual, you can trust in tomorrow. Contact Craig Keller, your local Grinnell Mutual agent, at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand today at 334-6550. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Hometown, <laughs> Hometown Garage Doors and More uh, is helping us bring you this. By the way, speaking of helping us, Man, oh, man, if we didn't have Northfield Wi-Fi, we wouldn't be able to broadcast live from the Rice County Fair. So thanks to Northfield Wi-Fi for being a great partner with us and assisting us with the Wi-Fi here at the Rice County Fair in Faribault. I have Brian Mortensen. He's Rice County attorney with us. We were talking a bit about the tragedy in Fargo before the break. Another tragedy in recent years, Brian, I'm sure you're well well aware, that here at the Rice County Fair, they, they had some issues with some young people disrupting things. So this year, they have closed down the carnival earlier in hopes yep. of avoiding some of that. And as I understand it, in talking with the sheriff yesterday, and he said, he said, well, maybe we need to talk to, maybe you need to get a judge on here. Well, I don't know if a judge would come out. So I thought, well, the next thing closest <laughs> to a judge that might come out to the fair is our county attorney. So can you enlighten our listeners and myself, Brian, about the uh, juvenile delinquency laws here in Minnesota? Well, our juvenile delinquency laws, they follow our same criminal laws, but they have a different set of rules and our kind of the statewide purpose for our delinquency is making sure that one we're doing enough to try to prevent delinquency and two kind of redirecting the youth that are in juvenile delinquency for different proceedings when they're in court um, giving them the programs necessary to help correct their behavior the treatment necessary if there's controlled substance use uh, therapy necessary if there is trauma or mental health issues. So there's a lot around hoping that we curb the problem before it gets into higher levels of criminal activity. But if it does get into those higher levels of criminal activity, are there any tools, any resources that you have to punish the offenders as opposed to giving them a so-called slap on the wrist? Well, in juvenile court, it's a lot different. In, in adult court, the prosecutor has sole discretion on a number of different things with plea bargaining. Um, in juvenile proceedings, even if we're opposed to something like a continuance for dismissal or a stay of adjudication where the delinquent is not adjudicated delinquent, um, even if we oppose it, the defense can still argue for it and give factors that the court can consider and the court ultimately can decide to go against whatever the prosecutor's recommendation is. I probably should know this. I know we have a drug court here, right? We do. Do we have a juvenile court in Rice County? So 
We have a, a juvenile prosecutor, and all of our judges handle juvenile dockets um, during their three-week rotation. And our juvenile prosecutor, uh, her name is Amy Fink. She specializes in knowing how to prosecute these types of cases, goes through training on what appropriate um, different measures are during the case to hopefully prevent the criminal activity. But really the best thing that we can hope for is that the preventative measures are taken before a person ever gets into a court system. Now that would be the ideal, but right. obviously it doesn't always work that way. It does not always work that way. But like we see at the fair, we had issues at the fair and the people that were arrested, we had the ability to prosecute them in court. But the fair board and the sheriff worked together to also implement practices that they hope will dissuade or curb that behavior in the future. Yeah. So hopefully this year, our, the, the behavior at the fair is different than the previous two years. Correct. The, the sheriff mentioned they're going to have like 15 uniformed officers down here tonight, tomorrow night. Those were the problem nights, right? Friday and yep. Saturday. Yes. And that's a lot of lot of uniformed guys and men and women. Well, and they're all getting paid. So it's unfortunate that we got to go through all this just because of a few knuckleheads, if you don't mind my saying that. <laughs> it's... It's not ideal, but we see it throughout the whole criminal justice system that we spend large amounts of resources on a very small percentage of individuals in our community. And you would say that about all criminals? I would saying. say that about all, all criminals. Everything we deal with from juvenile to misdemeanor, felony level crimes, it's really a small percentage of our population that caused this great expense yeah brian you were mentioning when i was calling you yesterday to get this show organized mm -hmm. you mentioned to me that when you were in florida yep. you had a judge i thought this was awesome the story you told me about this judge who would make juveniles sit and watch felons in the courtroom yes to specifically say to these juveniles that's the way you will end up if you keep on the same path right and that's one of the preventative measures that I saw from a judge in Florida. Um, it was, it appeared tremendously effective. Yep. Um, whether the, the reoffense rate of that individual, uh, continued or not, I don't know, but that judge would, instead of taking the juvenile first, have the juvenile sit in the open courtroom with the juvenile's parents and they would have to go through the entire felony calendar and see what crimes they've been charged with. And every time that a, an offender is arrested and goes before a judge for the first time, they're told what the maximum penalty is. So that juvenile had to listen and hear that, you know, this offender is charged with a first-degree felony that's punishable with up to 30 years, or this one is charged with a life felony and he could go to prison for life. The juvenile had to sit there and listen to that potential sentence or that potential punishment for the other individuals and then he would address him and say, is that the path that you want to take? Because if you continue doing what you're doing now, I'm going to be seeing you and you're going to be in that situation. Yep. And it's good that the parents are required to be there too, yep. right? And the parents stood next to the juvenile when that happened. Is that 
happening here locally? Are parents required to be at the juvenile hearings? So we don't typically handle juvenile proceedings here in Minnesota at the same time that we handle adults. And we really didn't in Florida. Those were our weekend in custodies where it was generally only ah. the prosecutor and the judge and the newly arrested defendants and juveniles. Um, but it was an opportunity that that judge would take whenever he could to hopefully dissuade that behavior in the future. Did you hear that, folks? They had weekend court. Weekend court in Florida. I'll bet you're happy we don't have that here. <laughs> well, my attorneys still have to get up on the, the on-call attorney still has to get up on Saturday morning and do documents and paperwork to have judicial findings to keep people over the weekend. But at least they don't have to come down to the courthouse and sit in court for two or three hours. Yeah, you have something like 72 hours to charge someone. Is that right? So we have, uh, we have 36 hours to bring a person before the judge, but that doesn't count weekends and holidays. And then we have 48 hours, which does include weekends and holidays, for a judge to make a probable cause determination as to whether or not we can continue to hold somebody. You know, the sheriff mentioned yesterday that the legislators obviously didn't listen to the peace officers associations that were all telling them, you know, maybe we need to hold off a little bit on legalizing cannabis. They're not saying don't legalize it. They were just saying, let's get all our ducks in a row before we pass this specific legislation he said that and i'm guessing you prosecutors are feeling the same way about certain laws right uh, you do they ask for your recommendations on things or are they just pass stuff so for us as county attorneys the 87 county attorneys have what's called the minnesota county attorneys association yep and we have a number of individuals within the association tasked with lobbying the legislature and so they're involved in the discussions and some of the hearings. A number of them testify at different hearings. Um, whether or not we're listened to is another. Right. Do you issue. know, did your organization endorse this or did they say, hey, maybe we better make sure we get everything right before we pass the law? I know that the Minnesota County Attorneys Association was vocal in how this was going to be implemented, what effects it was going to have on our prosecutions, both current and in the future. And there were a number of concerns specifically dealing with DWIs and how we're going to enforce people under the influence of marijuana driving when we don't have a quantitative test yeah. to determine an impairment level, like we do with DWIs where... It's alcohol-based. We know that a .08, approximately 97% of the population, is impaired beyond the ability to drive at an 08. Yeah, uh, that that's one really gets me is the fact that there's no test, and yet we're going to have a law that goes into effect on August 1st. And as you mentioned, law enforcement isn't going to be able to quantify which means you won't be able to prosecute because you have to have some evidence to prove that they were impaired right so what we're doing now and we're seeing it actually in our county specifically is we've got a number of officers from our agencies going and and going to dre school this fall and dre dre is a drug recognition evaluator 
And it's a special expert within the law enforcement agency that can look at a number of scientific factors and determine if the person is under the influence, what indicators they're seeing that show that they're under the influence, and then put those indicators together to tell you what category of drug that they might be under the influence of. And one of those categories is marijuana. So hopefully that will help us. But it, it'll require us to have these highly trained officers do evaluations to make a call as to whether or not they see active impairment from marijuana. Yeah. Well, then it comes up to whether the judge is going to still be the law enforcement officer's word against, the, in some cases, the driver's word. It can. Um, one thing that we're hoping is that... Uh, the state patrol is implementing a program that has like mouth swabs that can hopefully test for the presence of marijuana in a person's system. And those mouth swabs are hoping to be in the future acting like a uh, portable breath testing instrument to give us probable cause to apply for a search warrant for a blood draw. Hometown Garage Door and More continues our AM Minnesota program right after. Hometown Garage Doors in Fairbow is proud to sponsor Rice County Fair coverage. Good luck to all the 4-H'ers. With almost nine years of service to Rice County customers, Hometown Garage Doors offers solutions for residential and commercial customers. From broken doors and springs to openers and even new installs, they're ready to help. Offering free on-site consultations and no extra charges for evening or weekend service calls. Hometown Garage Doors. Call 5 Five zero seven four one two ninety four thirty six, or check out hometown garage doors mn.net. All right, thanks to hometown garage doors and more for helping us bring you our AM Minnesota program, and also a big thank you to Northfield Wi-Fi. Because if we didn't have Northfield Wi-Fi, Jerry would be back at the radio station on the tricycle. He'd be moving his legs like uh, well, like those gerbils and. That, I, I won't even go there. Brian Mortensen is with us. He's Rice County attorney. We're talking a bit about juvenile laws. And uh, I don't know, Brian, what your stance is on this. I guess I'll ask, do, do we need to get tougher, tough love, so to speak? Do we need that approach, or are you fine with the approach that we're presently taking in terms of enforcement of juvenile delinquency? I think in our criminal justice system, there needs to be a predictability to it. And I think if there's a predictability to the punishment, I do this, I have this type of punishment or consequence, it, it gives us a better tool against it. I really think that... We need to, you know, an ounce of prevention goes a long way. So I think that in addition to looking at our juvenile justice system and our potential consequences, I think we also need to look at where do we have community outreach, what people are involved in the community outreach. I know our juvenile prosecutor is working with community corrections and even the public defender's office to try to implement programs that hopefully will help prevent the occurrence of these crimes 
instead of our reactions happening after the crimes occur. Right. It would be nice, I don't know, you guys probably don't have the time to do this, right, to go to a classrooms and, and talk to the... Uh, talk to the teenagers about the consequences that will happen if you break the law well this year i actually went to the high school with um the head of the public defender's office we went there on two different occasions and and spoke to um the criminal law class and talked to them about our system and and how it works what types of punishments we seek what do we look at when we're doing different things and then we've also had uh at least three or four groups come over to the courthouse and come over to the government services building. One of them was um, Youth Government Day, and they had lunch with us and different department heads, the county commissioners. Um, I've spoke to them. I've had them attend court. Um, so I think having our office's presence in the community and especially having our office's presence alongside our local law enforcement um, is going to play some sort of role, hopefully a big role, in letting the community know that we're doing as much as we can to help prevent crime before it starts to focus on different areas that we know are problematic and know that we're working together as the cases come to court so that we can provide the best services for our community i guess i'm an old guy and that's probably why i'm going to say what i'm about to say and that <laughs> is you know i don't know that that there are necessarily some major consequences for breaking the law when you're a teen because it seems like you at least get one strike right typically yes um for first-time juvenile offenders uh, ideally we would get them into a supervised diversion program where there's somebody supervising them on certain types of conditions they have to go through um, either classes or types of therapy in order to hopefully address the underlying cause of their offending then if they continue the hope is that then the consequences get worse as their actions get worse or continue you know what the recidivism rate is among juveniles versus adults i don't i'd just be curious to know that um but from your observations I'm not asking for a percentage or anything. Do you see a lot of the same juveniles in court? We see a lot of... Same with adults. We see a lot of adults that have been previously in juvenile court. Aha. That kind of answers the question, right? That answers the question. We're out here at the Rice County Fair. What's your favorite fair food, Brian? Man, I would... <laughs> All the choices. <laughs> I would have to say um, I like the, the hamburgers at the Cardinal Cafe. I also like Temple's cheese curds. Yeah, you can't beat the Temple's cheese curds. I think cheese curds are kind of a staple for Midwest fairs. And in Florida, they don't even know what a cheese curd is. <laughs> cheese was very sporadic down there. No, I'm serious. They don't know what a cheese curd is. If you went to Florida and... and right told somebody you got any cheese curds they look at you like you were from another planet but we did finally get culvers down there while i was in naples and so then i i did get to have wisconsin cheese curds uh -huh. in florida you hear that culvers is at florida in in florida culvers is in florida you can get cheese curds <laughs> in florida now yeah uh, 
I went and visited a few years ago, and there, I don't recall there being. I was in the uh, in the Orlando area mm-hmm. visiting a friend, and unfortunately, a friend has since passed from Lyme disease it's, that they think he got at his cabin and his family's cabin in Alexandria, Minnesota. That's not good. No, it's that's that's bad. It's really sad. So, um, Brian, I promised Brian I would buy him one of those, <laughs> one of those whole hog sandwiches from the Wrights County pork producers, and I think we've got the list here of everything that's on this, Brian. So, what do you think of this? It's got two slices of Canadian bacon. It's, it's topped with a pork burger. Then comes provolone cheese. That's followed by barbecue pork, and then you've got. Two slices of bacon on top of that. That's the Does it come hog- with a baby aspirin? That's the whole, <laughs> the whole hog sandwich. It comes with coleslaw. See, in Florida, you put the coleslaw on the sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, a lot of places do that. Put the coleslaw right on the sandwich. So, again, big thank you to Hometown Garage Doors for making this show possible today. I thought I played this ad already. In fact, I know I did. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Hometown Garage Doors is bringing you AM Minnesota today. Thanks again to uh, Craig Keller for helping us with the opening market report as well. Do you think you might want one of those bad boys? It might be too early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's true. I may not be able to get it yet. <laughs> All right. That concludes today's edition of AM Minnesota. We'll be back at it next week. I know we got some special on-the-road AM Minnesotas. Monday, I'm heading to Montgomery. We're going to be talking about the about the Kolachki Days, which is next weekend in Montgomery. Boy, is that a good time. Kolachki Days. And who doesn't like Kolachkis? They're so delicious. And, of course, in addition to Kolachkis, there are Bukhtis. They're similar. One's open-faced, the other's closed-faced, fruit in a bun. We'll be in Bookty Land, a little missile, on Tuesday for a special 10 o'clock AM Minnesota show following a visit with John Dvorak. Hope you can join us for each and every one of those AM Minnesota programs.